And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. What's up, hustlers? Welcome back. This is Andrew Morgans, founder of Marknology, your host for today's episode of Startup Hustle, covering all things Amazon and e-commerce. Shout out to our sponsor for today's episode, Fullscale.io, helping you build software teams quickly and affordably. Uh, today's guest is one that I have been excited to talk to, one I have been looking forward to meeting for a very long time. He's been in the Amazon space, like myself, is a founder of another Amazon agency. Michael Yanez, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Andrew. Yeah, no, no problem. Michael is the founder of CartSmarter. Um, but before we get into just like what exactly that is and what Car Smarter does, how you kind of stand out in, in, in the space of Amazon advertising and Amazon management, um, let's talk about Michael a little bit. Like, how did you, um, you know, get into e-commerce? Like, you know, where did you get your start? Have you always been an entrepreneur? Um, go back as far as you like. I'd like to kind of talk about those early days of uh, your career. Yeah, absolutely. So how it came about is I broke into the industry selling consumer IT for example, consumer software into big box way back in the day. I'm going to age myself, CompUSA, Circuit City. Oh, yeah. Well, I love those. Yeah. Also, but also like your office superstores, um, Walmart, Best Buy, Target. And back then, there was uh, right after books, Amazon adopted, you know, IT. You know, you, that was one of the first categories. So very early on, way before uh, Marketplace or Seller Central, we were selling on Amazon our products via distributors. Okay. And, and so way back then, you could fly up to Seattle, have a meeting with the vendor manager. So obviously, I got... Can we can yeah. we talk about when that time was, like where you were dealing with like a real yeah, person mid on Amazon? Mid-90s to the late... Uh, uh, early... Actually, I take that back. So the early 2000s, right? That, that would have been happening. And... Um, and then once it moved over, you know, they opened up Seller Central, I started to dab a little bit of that for my private clients, because by then I was consulting, helping bring European brands into North America. And one of the first things you do is you set them up on Amazon. Yeah. So I had some limited knowledge doing that, obviously, because it was everything was just kind of developing. And then. How are you getting, how are you getting, can I get, I just want to get into the details a little bit. How do how are you getting clients like international clients? I know you're in the space, you're in, you know, software package goods. Yeah. But then you're getting, you know, maybe you've got some freelance clients you're helping bring over. Like, where were you getting those clients back? Yeah. Then? So I had been in the industry so long and I, when consumer PC really started to develop and become, you know, sold out in retail and all that, I, I started my career very early in that space. Okay. And then, um, you know, I built a reputation working for manufacturers and getting the product into every retail store doing extremely well. So when I became a consultant, word just got out and um, people would say, Hey, you want to get into the U S call Michael. And, um, and, and 
I got very lucky or, you know, going to trade shows and um, just talk, start, you know, talking to people and saying, are you trying to get into the U.S.? And they would say yes. And, you know, so I would go to Europe, develop all of their strategies, teach them how to do an American box. You name it from A to Z, I would get everything in place for them to come to the U.S. And then using all my contacts with the buyers, distributors, I would get them placement and then manage the business remotely. Um, so it was really cool until it lasted. And then what happened, uh, Andrew, is that the uh, iPad came out and the okay. whole consumer PC industry dropped. And then simultaneously, what happened was that um, it moved all, almost 100% online, right? And especially my specialty was consumer software. It died. And I was blessed and lucky in that I knew enough about Amazon to leverage that. So then about, um, let's call it nine years ago, nine, 10 years ago, I get this phone call from a recruiter and they go, hey, there's a food broker that needs an Amazon division and we saw your resume. And and I built up their e-com division from scratch and killed, and, and, and killed it. Um, and so this is um, my second um, uh, broker that, so I, I do have equity. I am an owner, but at the end of the day, I am working for someone. So it's not fully my, my agency, but I, I do have ownership. Okay. And um, I left that to go work for what I believe is a much, much better um, situation because now I do have ownership. So um, yeah. So we, you know, I, I went to this food broker about eight, nine, 10 years ago. I can't remember now opened up a seller central account and just, you know, went to our, the clients of the parent company started setting them up and we just, we just killed it. And a lot of our client, not a lot, but the, the bigger portion of our clients were very large as seen on TV clients. Mm -hmm. And we specialized, we were the known broker. I'm sorry. We were the known Amazon agency to go to if you're doing any kind of media, mainly direct response, and you didn't understand Amazon, um, we were that agency that you would go to. So I have a lot of experience in managing brands that do a lot of off Amazon media buying. Okay. And whether it be direct response TV, direct response radio, podcast, <laughs> um, all of that, we understand the metrics. We understand how to work with those clients to create very unique strategies on how they should be presented on Amazon. I love that. And uh, my brain is firing, Michael, because, <laughs> you know, I've been I think when you started getting into that food broker space is about when I started getting into Amazon as well. Um, for me, it was 2011, 12. Um, mm -hmm. when I, you know, I was, I was out of school, I'd worked corporate for a while and then was an e-commerce manager, um, and two jobs in a row basically had me discovering Amazon for them, for their product lines. And, um, you know, I remember launching Chicago state company, which is a client of ours. Um, they're just a steak. They're like, uh, steaks on dry ice, you know, premium steaks. Uh, and I think there's, there's a lot of food like that now, but when we launched that brand, there was no one kind of doing that. There was no one selling like fresh steak on Amazon, uh, Interesting. before, before like we you know, and it was like they, we had to get, uh, get 
we had to get what was the word I'm looking for creative in the way we were figuring out well if you had you know a $250 item you know pack of steaks that was sitting outside on a doorstep and and that went bad that was a huge return a huge loss you know so we had to get real creative with handling time and really shipping orders like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. If it went out Thursday, it could be delivered the following Monday. So nothing was sitting on the weekend. Um, but it was fun. No one else was doing it. We were like crushing good, it, you know. Good for you. I mean, that that's an awesome story. And, you know, you pat yourself on the back because here we are 10 years later and I still get those questions, right? So you were way ahead of the curve. I mean, people are still saying, well, what happens if it's just sitting there? And and many years ago, I remember taking a, you know, thinking out of the box, went to go to a local Los Angeles warehouse company that specialized in drop shipping, drop shipping, shipping refrigerated and frozen goods. Okay. And just going, oh my God, the cost involved and how bulky. And then I didn't have the balls. I just said, it's the, just not worth, you know. Not ready, I mean? not ready. <laughs> and, you know. In the early days, I was taking, so I, I asked where you got your clients at the beginning because I got top 10 in the world on Upwork. I say that because there was no one else trying to get clients back then. That There was a lot of people selling on Amazon or working for companies, but there weren't a lot of people that were doing it as a service for others that were actually like had websites and were marketing it and like pushing Amazon services or Amazon marketing, at least that I could find, you know? So it was like these freelancer sites. It was word of mouth. It was like, forums oh this guy's a great seller he you know he sold his business for 10 million see if you can get him to help coach you um but i was just like cleaning up on upwork taking clients like chicago state company or even adidas and some of those from upwork because it was just i would say hey i know how to do uh, about one out of three things that you're asking for i'll learn how to do the other two uh, as long as you understand i gotta learn it um and that's just how i got you know my hands dirty i guess a lot of times was just being real straightforward with people and being like, that sounds like a challenge. I'll take it, you know? Uh, and, you know, little by little, you just start getting, you start acquiring knowledge. One of the biggest things that like, um, I like working with brands, you know, that are like, um, that care about top of funnel and are investing in branding. And, you know, it's obviously been the progression around Amazon selling because they get the idea of off Amazon advertising and the value it has, you know, and those are the secret weapons. You can get someone that comes to me and is like, I just want to sell on Amazon. Here's my products. Here's what we can do. You're like, great. You're giving me about a third of the tools I can use to really make you successful on Amazon. You know, that you do, you start doing mailers and PR articles and you start getting like serious radio spots and you get, you, you know, you can really drive, that momentum thing that we all know is required on Amazon with, with a lot of those off Amazon advertising strategies. So you brought that to the table kind of from the beginning. Yeah. And, and, and I hear you and, you know, you probably went to that one um, conference at, at prosper where they said the average cost per click on Amazon went up by more than 50% year over year. And that's not stopping. So there's two things. Now you could see why it's so important to allocate funds for off Amazon advertising, but you, you hit something you just mentioned about just this whole brand awareness. Like people say, you got to build your brand, got to build your brand. There's a reason why people say that there's a, you know, there's, it's no secret that you've got to get that PR. You got to go figure out how to raise the funds. If you don't have it to get people to learn about your product because Amazon 
and you know your guys are probably miracle workers but that miracle maybe only goes 60 percent to 70 percent that brand has responsibility to to help the, the rest of the way part of the problem was that in the early days of selling on amazon and to all the amazon sellers we were talking to versus to brands we were talking to because the brands are just now starting to pay attention i'm generalizing but in general, yeah. the brands are just not starting to pay attention. And it was, you know, private label sellers, it was wholesalers, it was, um, you know, people trying to get out of their nine to five that were embracing Amazon in the early days. And they were being successful without having a brand. Very much right. so. Very much so. Like it was a, but this was an isolated case, this Amazon thing, right? And now that it's gotten more advanced, it's back to where it should be, which is brand matters and like top of funnel and all that kind of stuff matters. But I think there was a window where, you know, just with the reviews, just with giveaways, just with understanding Amazon where PPC was cheap and things like that, you could launch a brand, you could launch products successfully and make a lot of money just commoditizing products, not having brand. But, you know, that's changing. I really feel like that's changing. Yeah. And, and if you don't mind me jumping around, I'm going to jump to maybe some questions you would have at the very end. Yeah. It's one of the reasons why we're, I created a division we're, we're just launching now that we're as much a media agency as we are a um, e-com agency. So my parent company has a lot of clients that at the end of the day, they're so large, they don't need us. Right. But they they, I could tell you now, they they are probably not understanding how do you get in front of a millennial as an older brand, or they're going, oh, you know, we're doing great on Amazon, our, our ROAS is fine and stuff, but, you know, now what's also critical for that external driving is that you got these little brands that are outmaneuvering them on Amazon. And they don't get it. They don't understand why they're that little brand's taking market share. Well, they sure. have better strategies on Amazon, but they also know that for a younger audience, for example, you they embrace the brands on so many different reasons. And to, and they the larger, older brands don't know how to reach a younger audience. So I just launched the brand new division where you don't have to be within my agency, e-com agency. For us to go out there and do your regular sponsored ads for Amazon, your um, DSP offline, your um, what they call OTT, it's over the top. So that includes Amazon owned entities, that includes Roku, Hulu, and so on, and and then podcast, and then your traditional um, 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 short and long term TV commercials, mainly on cable network. But it doesn't matter um, because we see so important. So we, I feel we could bring so much added value to um, clients that we don't manage. But whether or not they're the client of our parent company or not, it doesn't matter to me. I just feel we have a lot more to offer. I love that. And, um, you know, something that's kind of interesting is your your parent client if i can call it that you know the broker the food broker the the large one that that you're now a partner with is very much like uh one of these aggregators bringing you in to run their brands just you were doing it 10 years ago right uh hiring a sophisticated team to come in and, and take those brands and take them to the next level and you know i have bragged 
for years silently to myself and my hole in Kansas City where no one knows what we were doing on Amazon for the longest time. You know, I'm taking a local brand from Arkansas, G Mama's Cookies or something, and I'm outperforming Nabisco, Chips Ahoy, um, Oreo, yeah. you name it. I'm outranking you for chip chocolate chips, you know, all those things. Why? Well, because those brands are so comfortable existing off of brand only. Uh, people that already know their brand and I'm going and I'm going and getting the customers that are just searching for chocolate chip cookies that have yet to make up their mind about a brand. Um, you, you absolutely are validating. Yeah. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. And it's like, you know, for, so you type in chocolate chip cookies and I'm out ranking the big, the biggest players in the world in my mind. Right. And for me as a young young guy passionate about e-commerce i mean i'm just they so these small brands to answer to the to the big brands that don't understand what's going on these big brands are hiring these little brands are hiring someone like me extremely passionate about amazon and e-commerce and i'm doing anything and everything i can to get them daylight right to get yeah. them market share to get them found and, and what does that take and what are the strategies to do that you know how i explain it digital advertising if you know what you're doing is the ultimate equalizer and when I'm talking to larger clients and I say, you know, this is a budget I recommend the way I explain it. I go, when you have a brick and mortar meeting or whatever it is, are you eye level on the shelf? They go, yes. And can the little guys ever replace you? No. Well, guess what? In a digital environment, you already are got, got replaced. And they're like, what, what do you mean? That's exactly how I explain it. I love that. That's beautiful. And I, I've I've coined it as, you know, we're helping you optimize your shelf space just on Amazon, on the digital marketplace. It's a good you know, way to it, it's, yeah. um, This isn't about a distributor relationship or this isn't about, you know, whoever's taking your products and putting them in the grocery store and setting them up on the shelf. You know, what's the difference you get in that primary placement or if you've got a, you know, you've got a, a standalone little booth, you know, by the checkout line or wherever you're getting featured, it matters, right? So wouldn't you want the same thing happening digitally? Um, and, you know, with food brands, we have a handful of food brands even here at Marknology. And um, what we were able to accomplish during the pandemic is is insane, you know, in regards to being able to take these small businesses, these small players and, and grow them exponentially um, ha has been real, real fun to see. Uh, the food brands definitely took off in the pandemic from from before. Oh, yeah, it, it went up from two. 2.5% to 10% of all grocery sales uh, are now online for grocery products, uh, which, which by the way, that's a hundred billion dollars, 10%. So that's pretty crazy. And so there's an interesting, so these food brands that you manage, Andrew, I would encourage them to think about um, grocery brick and mortar. I was at a trade show two years ago, the grocery shop one, and one of the most interesting takeaways was that, and this was two years ago, 40% of all new products on the grocery retail shelf was from a brand new brand. That was unheard of. And the reason being is because they're innovating. They're killing it on Amazon and the buyers see that. And these retail buyers know that if something's killing it on Amazon, it absolutely makes a difference for brick and mortar. So here's some of our strategy. I'm going to hit some of our listeners with a little bit of golden, golden nuggets. Uh, and they can catch they can catch on or not. But like, for example, we've got some food brands. One, Canada has uh, an export grant 
for food brands coming to the U.S. So if there's any Canadian brands listening, um, you can very much get quite a bit of money to hire an agency like Minor Michaels and uh, get funded by the Canadian government to launch digitally in the U.S. So I've helped three or four brands get those grants and then essentially pay us to help launch them. Uh, so that's kind of fun. Um, but also like strategy is just changing. It's the same business it's been, right? Like you said, but it's changing in regards to, you know, we can be selling on Amazon for two years. You know, I know that on Home Depot, for example, how well we do on homedepot.com dictates how much product they put into Home Depot's brick and mortar shelves. So if that's the case for Home Depot, you know, these, these, all these off these algorithms and this AI doesn't all operate differently on the different platforms. A lot of them are very similar. So one could say the same thing is true for Amazon or Whole Foods or any local grocer that's trying to make their job easier. Well, let me just go to the best sellers on Amazon and seasoning and barbecue sauce and chips and, and pick what the customers like, right? Well, with some of our brands, to get a little bit more complicated with it, you know, we might be selling a year or two years, you know, taking zip code areas that we're selling a lot to. Okay. And then even if you're not down to the customer address, you don't need to know that to pick up zones to know where you're shipping to. Um, and then we're contacting stores in those areas being like, look, we've been selling, we've sold, you know, 10,000 units to your zip code alone in the last 12 months. Um, you know, we think we have a good customer base here. We would love to get products in your stores here in, you know, XYZ County. Um, and then, you know, then you start geographically Facebook targeting, geofencing, uh, you know, those areas. And so you're building, you're essentially picking your brick and mortars by how your e-commerce is doing. So, you know, you're then pitching those conversations with those buyers in those areas just gets a lot easier because you're saying, Hey, we're selling to your zip code without you uh already we would love to be in your store as well brilliant um, brilliant absolutely so we're, we're having some yeah. fun with some of those strategies and being able to geographically kind of pinpoint well where should we focus our brick and mortar strategy next and, and using amazon to do it as well as like you know the other the other platforms brilliant um so like just that strategy can go backwards you know like you're encouraging brick and mortar and they're taking 40 percent of brands well you know use your e-commerce to to help you expand and help you decide you know, um, even even food brands in um, Australia, we've been doing pretty well. Like, let's just say seasoning or more like dry goods, nothing like fresh, um, which I would love to talk to you about that. Maybe we go to that next. But, you know, more on the dry good chips and seasonings and popcorns. And, um, you know, those brands have done really well in Australia. Uh, COVID aside, you know, whatever's going on there, essentially because of the seasonality difference. Right. So hot cocoa here or. Um, you know, barbecue seasoning here gets this, at least in the Midwest goes out of season when the snow's down, but in Australia, it's summertime. So, you know, using things like that to offset your seasonality, if you have a real seasonal type of food product as well, um, has been some of the outside the box ways we're, we're approaching it. What's uh okay, let's get into, let's get into Instacart. I don't know much about Instacart. Mm -hmm. I think you have to be in brick and mortar stores to, to actually leverage that, but um, I've landed in Amazon fresh almost by accident. So essentially, um, you know, we, we get product listed on, on Amazon and then, um, they might get reached out to by whole foods and get a whole foods account. And then it turns into, you know, um, it's got the whole foods, maybe single, single cans of tea or different things like that. Um, but it hasn't been like a clear path to getting a brand registered into that. And even in the alcohol space, I have a couple alcohol brands that I know if I could get them into Whole Foods, 
Uh, some of them are big. If I could get them into a whole food store or something like that, then they can be eligible to sell. At least that's what I understand. Um, let's talk about some of that. Like, I, I understand you're working for a food broker. So that has to be your, your kind of entry into that market with, with Amazon. How did that relationship kind of come about? Yeah. And, and you, it's exactly right. So, uh, about three years ago, exactly when I was coming on board, uh, Amazon decided Amazon fresh decided that they needed to in, in, increase their catalog, Amazon fresh catalog with more up and coming, newer, exciting brands and not always newer, but medium to smaller size brands. And historically, if you wanted to do business with Amazon Fresh, you had to cut them a huge annual check. And they realized that if any of these up and coming brands cut them a check, that at the end of the year, they weren't renewing. They just weren't getting the ROI. So they came up with the program. They reached out to us and said, hey, you guys have hundreds and hundreds of brands of all sizes. Um, we want to start onboarding more brands, but not touch them. Uh, in addition to that, uh, instead of them cutting a big check, we're going to do it on a curl. So there's no risk. We buy a product, we charge them a, a, a accrual amount. And so it's really based on a sale, right? And so the risk is mitigated. And we want you to manage that business. Bring us, bring us some of your clients for us to evaluate sign them. If we say yes, sign them up. And then what we do is we manage the entire relationship. We're the liaison between the, the vendor manager and the, and the, and the brand. We set up their vendor central account. We set up their catalog. We optimize it, uh, manage all the reports and so on, uh, manage their merchandising. So in exchange for an accrual and the accruals are really healthy, they're 30, 40, and 50%. Okay. As you can imagine, most of our clients at the 30% level, but the, the, the higher your curl, the more merchandising you get through the year. And being merchandised on Fresh is critical because they don't, when a, someone goes on Fresh, they don't type in a keyword. They browse exactly the way they do in store, right? Almost like a digital cart going down the aisles. So if you're not being merchandised, you're not being found. And with Fresh, if you're being merchandised and they put you in the cart, when it's you say merchandise, thing. let's just break that down for any listeners. When you say if they're not being merchandised, what do you mean exactly? So when you're on Fresh and you're navigating on Fresh Shopping, you're going to see these little shovelers, these digital aisles, and it will say, um, have a happy week. And it like has, has nothing but ice cream, different vendors, right? So, so kind of like highlighted. or Kind like- of like highlighted, exactly. Yeah. And, and they're peppered throughout, throughout the site. And every category that you go in, We'll have products specific to that category in these digital aisles that they're right in your face. You can't miss it. And so the probability that a customer is going to click on that as opposed to keep clicking deeper is a much higher probability. And what's cool about that is that you're there and the competition's not. And yeah. once they are in that digital basket, guess what? The first two pages people go to when they log back on the fresh are their history and their deals. You bought this so, last time. You bought this last time. You bought Yep. This so once you're in there the first time, you're golden. You're absolutely, so you absolutely have to be present or merchandise on Amazon Fresh. So yes, you give up a nice hunky chunk of your profit, but you're growing the business. And, and we see that every year our clients renew, every year they're growing. Um, you know, Fresh is highly curated. And 
I do have to explain something. Ever since COVID, everybody and their mother now wants to jump in the fresh. So they close the spigot, so to speak. Um, they're being extremely careful who they let into the program. Um, and I'm not saying it's completely shut down, but it's it <laughs> you 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 do have to have some kind of good sales history for me to present you now um, in, in the program. Um, so before they were like, oh, this is like a pretty cool up and coming brand. But now they want to, they're being a little bit more choosy um, who they're letting in right now. Uh, and, that, and again, that's because in the past, people balked at their cost structure, but now they're not balking. They want in. Yeah, obviously the pandemic changed a lot of things, didn't it? Oh, yeah. Uh, and then we're the gatekeepers now. Uh, honestly, we're the gatekeepers and Amazon can work with specific agencies to do that or they can do it themselves. And, yeah. You know, and, and, you know, look at um, I, I encourage people to to try to reach a category manager at Fresh because we are not the only way to get in for smaller and, 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 and medium sized companies. They may send you back to us. But they also have a program just called a trade program where you don't get any merchandising. You pay 15 percent. Um, and, you know, category manager falls in love with you. They go, yeah, let, you know, you have a choice. I'm not going to really deal with you. You have to do everything on your own. You probably won't hear from me. Here's 15 percent trade program. Um, go for it. You know, you're not going to get any merchandising or go call up Michael little bit more expensive, but you're going to get merchandise and they manage everything. They're going to, you know, everything's going to get set up by them. So, you know, either way, uh, I, I, I still think that I'm not going to discourage people because right now, look at fresh is killing it. Yeah. You shoot, shoot or shoot. And you, and you don't know unless you take a swing. It, um, exactly. Well put. Yeah. Like you, you just gotta, I, I think that's something that's like, well, what about, People t spend so much time saying, well, what about Walmart? What about this? What about Whole Foods? I want to be in this one. I want to be in that one. Sometimes you just start, you know, and it's like, what can you do on your own? And then by the time you apply again next year, well, you've been going a year on your own, getting sales, getting momentum, you know, maybe that conversation opens for you, you know? So you just got to start and, and start taking swings, um, you know, versus, you know, Amazon changes constantly too. So, you know, you don't know what their metrics are going to be in July versus August versus September for letting brands in. Maybe they've got, you know, they've, they've caught up on, on onboarding new brands or getting some placements and now they're ready for some, something new. That that's exactly. And every time I have a, a vendor manager meeting, that's the question I ask, when do you think this is going to open back up a little bit? Um, because you just never know it's timing. And, um, and, 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 I was able to squeeze in a few clients because it was something they, you know, they're data driven mm -hmm. and they probably saw a need and they go, you know what, even though we, you know, we, we had put a moratorium on new products and items, they went ahead with a few. They wanted to make an exception. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And that's, that's something that uh, you wouldn't know that unless you just been in the space a long time. And you've like, you've asked the same question 10 times, you got a different answer 10 times. And, you know, you just start getting a little uh, experience under your belt, knowing that you just got to keep swinging and keep, keep making opportunities. And, okay, what, what's the best I can do? Okay, maybe Amazon's attention will come around in a year. Um, you know, that's what happened with the tea brand and Whole Foods was Whole Foods reached out to us after we were doing it on our own and doing it well. And the brand looked amazing. And, you know, then they reached out and we're like, well, we'd love to have you in Whole Foods in Colorado, you know, so 
Um, sometimes even if you're getting that no, just like, well, what can you do on your own to get things going? And, and perhaps by the next time you approach them, they're like, well, they've done a little bit on their own. They're selling well. Um, let's get, let's get them in here. You know, so I, I just pass it on to anybody that's, that's listening. That's, you know, I think I get so many inquiries about, well, what should we focus on? What should we do? Um, let's pause real quick for our, uh, to give a shout out to our sponsor for today's episode, fullscale.io, helping you build software teams quickly and affordably. If you're looking to scale your development team, fullscale.io is a great place to start for that. Let's talk about Walmart grocery and, and some of the other things you do. So Walmart, you know, coming back from Prosper, um, I have a couple brands on Walmart, a couple of my own, like three or four. Um, you know, I, I played with Amazon advertising maybe a year ago, got pretty bored. It was archaic, you know, and uh, I'd just rather take that money and spend it on Amazon at that time. But I know that, you know, they've acquired Jet. They're making big moves in the pandemic. Um, Amazon Prosper, you know, Tim Jordan was was big on Walmart and all the reasons why. And it's pretty convincing, um, you know, the 10,000 stores they have in rural America and how, you know, they essentially could be a if they can get the digital stuff in line. The distribution logistics for Walmart is is prime, you know, prime to crush it. And, uh, you know, they have a, a distribution center in every rural town in America. So let's talk Walmart grocery. It's like something I don't know much about, you know, have a few brands on Walmart, but very basic. Uh, what's the opportunity here? Yeah, it's the same thing. Um, so here's the opportunity. As you know, their marketplace until recently did not have the equivalent of like an FBA program. Mm -hmm. And for a lot of our clients, that was a, a non-starter. So we're, we're as an agency late because we could, we were only able to get started once they said, Hey, you could use our warehouse system and we'll go ahead and start um, shipping. But to your point, a lot of people shop on Walmart. And if you could do extremely well there, it's very possible that it will open the door into getting into re Walmart retail. And even if it's a test, that's saying a lot. I mean, at the end of the day, they are still the number one largest retailer in the world by far. And they have un, unfathomable foot traffic, right? Brick and mortar. So, and at the end of the day, if you look at the growth of e-commerce as well for them, it's it's growing and they're taking it serious. They're, yes, they always seem to, to kind of um, trip over themselves, I, I see a lot of positive. I really do. And I, I think it's something now to start to start um, seriously looking. But it does make me chuckle about what you said about their advertising. It's still kind of clunky. But, I, you know, look at <laughs> you, you got to start somewhere. They're they're cleaning up their act little by little. Yeah, I just say that as someone that like I like the levers, I like to be able to pull the levers. And, you know, advertising is really before I got into photo optimization and, and storytelling with branding and, you know, real SEO research and all those things on Amazon, I was I was getting results for brands just with ads alone and um, really being able to just really understand them as they came out, like diving into them, um, you know, toot our own horn a little bit. But Marknology is one of 60 of the the. Amazon advertising partner agencies um, that was brought in in 2019 as a partnership program. And 58 of those are software companies. So we're one of two that's on the service-based side for advertising. Um, it's just something I geeked out about early oh, wow. on. And, um, you know, it was before SEO was proven before, it, you know, cause there wasn't, 
thought leadership in this space in a lot of ways there wasn't people saying oh the seo works and this is how you track keywords and it was you know get a bunch of reviews on your product and you'll sell a lot um but it was advertising that was making up for all of this bad seo um that was on the platform bad keywords if you had great advertising you could still cover all of that space you know um, especially early on when cost per click was lower and things like that and so i know it's a big part of getting your product seen whether it's on walmart or wherever you are is understanding kind of how that platform works and like you know how the ads work and, and getting that visibility so i'm um I'm trying to be like, hey, embrace change. I got to continue to embrace change even when you get real comfortable with another platform and realize that, you know, hey, Walmart's here to stay. They bought Jet.com. Um, you know, I was real excited about Jet back back in the day, a few years back. Um, and then it just, you know, the catalog bogged down and they kind of shut down. Now Walmart's acquired them and, and it's bringing them up to speed rather quickly. And I think that, um, you know, something you have to think about is Walmart and Amazon are at odds most of the time. It's one of the main, you know, marketplaces that Amazon's watching for price, you know, price manipulation. And, you know, I've had issues on Walmart where we had the same price. I had a seller that does about eight million on Amazon a year um, with four SKUs. And um, we were also on Walmart in the early days and we had the pricing the same. But Walmart had like a five percent in-store discount if you picked it up and so while that like you know you had to go through a walmart rep to get that price changed and we didn't realize it but you know that made the that made the item like 15 cents cheaper or something than amazon when you did the math or whatever but it was enough to have us lose the buy box and we just couldn't find out why uh you know because the pricing looked the same we knew we had map pricing like nothing was going on so launching on these different marketplaces can add challenges to what you're doing you know if you're an amazon seller but it's also a great opportunity and you don't want to be left behind. Um, and so I'm happy to see Walmart get into the game and kind of give some competition to, to Amazon. Uh, you know, I, I think good competition between two big marketplaces can result in, in better, um, you know, exposure for so many sellers like Walmart in Google rankings. When you search on Google shopping or something like that, Walmart is just everywhere. So if you're a brand trying to get more exposure, um, you know, Walmart search results do the trick on Google and it's worth considering. Um, so Amazon fresh locked up Walmart grocery. Is it still an open opportunity for sellers like looking to, you know, get, get product there? And does grocery mean when you say Amazon fresh and Walmart grocery for, for myself and for anyone listening, does that just mean like fresh produce type products? Like oh yeah. So Amazon grocery is completely different. That's controlled by the buyer at corporate. Okay. Yeah. And so, that's something we're not involved in. Um, that would be, you know, either getting into Walmart on your own or getting, you know, using a broker to get into Walmart because Amazon grocery is, you know, by definition would be um, um, delivery or um, pickup. And for okay. delivery, some regions do use Instacart and in other cases they're using their own system. So, um, that that's something I am not involved in, but our parent company would be for their clients. Let's spend, let's spend a little time on Instacart. Uh, for my understanding as someone that hasn't used it, I need to just to know how it works. I, mm -hmm. I understand it to be, um, you know, like an app that you use to basically have someone like a Postmates driver, go get you groceries from the local pickup, but you have to list your products on there. Kind of like a restaurant that's using Postmates has to like, you know, 
pay to have their restaurant listed there, like create their menu of items. Is that how Instacart works or? Yeah. So I'll explain the good and the bad. The, okay. the good is that they have, they dominate the grocery space with over 65% market share, meaning that of all the grocery stores across the U S Instacart is the delivery um, partner for, for 65% of those grocery stores. So if you are a brand that are in quite a few grocery stores across the nation or even regionally, the chances are that by default, now your product is available on Instacart. And why is that important? It's important because so many more people want their product um, groceries delivered to them. And Instacart has made it extremely easy. So every 24 hours, the data is updated. If like here in Los Angeles, we have Ralph's. If you get a brand new product on the shelf in Ralph's, by midnight, it's live on Instacart. That means someone could go to Ralph's.com, which for all intents and purposes is Instacart, order that product and other, other products, and two hours later, whatever, it's delivered by Instacart. Um, so as a brand, you do nothing. There's nothing you have to do. The bad part is that you have to be in retail. You have to be on that shelf to be on Instacart. So that's the bad part. And and people always ask me, well, how many grocery stores should I be in for it to make sense to start advertising with Instacart? And I would say you probably want to be in a minimum of a thousand storefronts, which normally would encompass two to three major grocery stores. Okay. Um, so if you're in two to three major grocery stores, and you're in a thousand storefronts, then you, I would feel very comfortable for you to advertise with Instacart. And, and Instacart at that moment, it's an advertising play. Okay. Um, it's as a brand, they make it extremely easy and flexible. They give you a, an account to set up. There's no contract. We go in there then, um, we have our own login. We, we go in, set up your campaign. We strategize with the client on, um, their current monthly sales and come up with the budget proposal. And then my team just takes over and manages that campaign. And it goes back to the point where it's um, what we do is we create eye level marketing. Someone goes on there and types in barbecue sauce. Our client is going to appear in the front, the front top digital aisle, 85% chance you're going to convert at that point, at that moment. I love it. Uh, our, um, our ROAS, have been incredible. Uh, the, the most minute budget, we see incredible results. And uh, it's just a very powerful advertising platform. I love it. Okay, so you get listed for free by being in the grocery store. You're just automatically listed. But if you want to advertise, if you want to optimize kind of your your marketing, your promotional stuff, um, you either need to do it yourself or, or hire a team that can get in there and really run your ads at a high level. That's correct. Okay. I love it. This has been very informative and, you know, some stuff that I just haven't dug into on my end because it's not, it hasn't presented itself. You know, I'm not working with in-store food brands, you know, at that level, if I'm working with food brands, it's I'm in my lane and they're in theirs. And, you know, I'm always trying to give them opportunities, um, you know, and point them in the right direction, whether that's a warehouse or a good 3PL or, um, you know, any number of things. But for example, uh, I've got a big manufacturer out of Costa Rica that I've started working with, a big food manufacturer out of Costa Rica, cereals, cereal bars, um, real like healthy, 
healthy, um, you know, cereals like Frosted Flakes, but all natural, all organic. Costa Rica is really big on, um, you know, their certifications and health and things like that. So some products I think will do really well here. We're kind of in the early stages. Um, but that's a brand that down the road might be a great fit for, you know, um, for storefronts and stuff here in the U.S. And being able to say, hey, this is Instacart might be a good option. Not now. Uh, but, you know, if this happens, then this becomes an option. And, you know, just knowing exactly where that fits in is, is going to be good for me. So I appreciate you breaking those down um, as we're rounding out. You know, before we get done, what are you know, you, you're working on a lot of stuff. You've got, as you said, hundreds and hundreds of brands within kind of the parent company that you're working with. You've got projects that you work with outside of that, like whether it's helping brands get off Amazon, um, you know, off Amazon top of funnel traffic and things like that. What's got you excited in the morning when you get up like to work on which of your projects like, you know, is really something you're passionate about right now? Which of these areas, if you had yeah. to choose one? That's a great question. Um, one, as you know, Amazon is very much category and agnostic. So it's a whole world of opportunity. And, and to answer your question, there's probably two or three things. Yeah. One of them is that what, what will be the new category that would make sense to kind of start researching and going, you know, I think we could do well. And how would we build this out? Right. That would be one. But number two is it's all kind of tied in together where Amazon is creating tools to make it easier and even giving you incentives to drive external traffic, right? Yep. Those tools did not exist a few years ago. Maybe what do we call, that, what do we call that incentive? It just came out. Yeah, I forget, but it's awesome. And I don't even think attributes was around a year ago. Maybe no. I'm actually involved in the attribution betas like, um, testing, I guess, if you want to call that, like, you know, kind of just being a user and being involved in that program on the advertising side, working with some of my clients to be like, how does this work? What are ways we can improve? And mm -hmm. it's come a long way. Yeah. Uh, you know, Amazon is definitely something that they release stuff before it's perfect. And then we perfect it for them. You know, <laughs> uh, they're like the Android, uh, uh, you know, versus <laughs> the Apple company. Um, but attribution and then this newer program we were talking about it's 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 uh my mind's blanking but essentially you get 10 or 15 points back i think for exactly hey and that's Amazon better traffic. than a kick you know and you know where right yeah it's nice it, it's not a hey man it makes a difference so you could see how important this is and and it plays extremely well that i had a vision you know six seven months ago to start thinking how well it's not just going to be the amazon what is it dps or whatever which is you know for larger brands anyway um and it you only get so so results but i am a you know i have a a background in di direct response media and that works and i know it works and um i also know that i have to help my clients reach a younger audience and um and 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 you know there's all these cool things now they younger audience watches streaming right mm -hmm. and now now you can advertise on streaming that really didn't exist you know maybe 18 months ago yeah it did but not the way it is now and you know this podcast your podcast right so um i i i think that um, to help my clients or help any client out just 
being able to provide ways to, to drive specifically because it hopefully to Amazon, um, you know, finding ways for them to go out there and reach a, a much larger audience. And, and for the ones that are already positioning towards a, a millennial, for example, on Amazon and everything that they're doing in terms of brand awareness, as we discussed very early in today's conversation, it's becoming difficult just to only do it on Amazon. Mm -hmm. It really, and every single day there's a competitor probably being set up on Amazon that's going to compete against you. Mm -hmm. And maybe they have a lot of venture capital so they can outspend you on Amazon. Then what do you do? So I've, it makes me excited that I'm, you know, we're going to be provide these other solutions to continue to compete. I love it. And I'm obsessed with the same stuff. I, I call it holistic e-commerce, which is just not just Amazon or web or brick and mortar or any of those things being in their own silo. Um, you know, but it's, how do these all work together? You know, how do you, um, get customers that are buying you on Amazon or in store to also know that you're in both or that, you know, um, they can find you here, find you here, engage with us on social media or look at our TikTok, you know, our account that we have. And, you know, a big part of my team has been, um, trying to get people right out of school, UMKC, people that are passionate about marketing and advertising, because, even at 34, I'm 10 years ahead of 24 and 18. And, you know, it just continues to change and technology is evolving so fast. I can barely keep up with my iPhone, you know? <laughs> so, um, you know, just having like, okay. So like, you know, traditionally it's been with advertising or marketing or most career industries, like experience just outweighed everything else. You got 20 years in advertising or 20 years in marketing. Someone coming out of school can't even compete with that. But when you've got, things changing so fast and you've got, you know, this influencer marketing and tech and all those things kind of changing. You really have to just be focused on what's next. Um, you know, what do they care about now? You know, which is brand story and authenticity and all those honestly things that I appreciate. Uh, you know, I want to know what's in my foods and I want to know who I'm buying it from. And I want to know, like, do they treat their people right? And is, are they using child labor? And you know, that's, that's the millennial mind. And I think that's okay. Um, it's not just like, you know, where's this come from, but it's where's this come from and who made it and what's in it and, you know, all those things. You could not have said it better. And, and, and that's what we try to educate our clients about that. That's what they're looking for. Yeah. So we got to tell that. So it comes back to Amazon and storytelling and brand awareness and doing a good job of saying why this product is different than the next. And, you know, um, you know, what makes this product different? Well, it's, it's my grandma's recipe and, you know, we've had it for 120 years and it's just been an Alabama thing and we want to expose it to the rest of the world and here's our cookies and we hope you love them, you know, and that, that can be as simple as it is, but, um, versus craft or, you know, just, a, a cool. I've heard of that. My mom has had craft in my kitchen my whole life, but there's no attachment. There's no relationship to, you know, I'm using that as an example to just say right. like, you know, and a it's a very good example. It, it, you're, that's a perfect example. Awesome. Yeah. And I love doing that. I love helping these brands stand out. I love helping the big brands, you know, figure their purpose out too. We've got uh, faultless brands as a company that's 125 years old. I think or I could be a little bit off, but they're over a hundred years old here in Kansas city have always been a, um, you know, direct to retail, uh, you know, sending, sending product by pallets and things to, to grocery stores and department stores for, you know, faultless starch for ironing your clothes or, uh, cleaning messes or something like that. If your mom has ever ironed, you've used faultless starch before. 
Um, but they, they're not, you know, in that relationship, these brands, these manufacturers that are household names, um, they're not getting direct feedback from the customers like you are on Amazon or these different channels where I'm selling to Joe and Joe's saying, hey, I loved your product or hey, I hated your product. And then coming back and being like, well, Joe hated our product and Susie hated our product. What do we what can we do to make it better? And getting that direct, you know, that direct feedback and, and adjusting and optimizing, continuing to stay relevant. Um, and helping those older brands bridge that gap is, is really fun and exciting too. And, you know, helping them stay relevant and, and get into e-commerce and keep some of these staple companies, um, relevant for the next 50 years. You know, it's, it's, uh, so I, I hear you on that. It is a lot of fun. Um, I'm still having fun out here on Amazon. Like, you know, Amazon can make you pull your hair out sometimes, but, um, it's really awesome what we can do for brands that are, that are doing the right things. Yeah. And I I guess the last thing would be if there was going to be a third is, um, you know, I've done international in the past, um, both going both directions uh, and on Amazon and just um, expanding into that a little bit more now. Yeah. Yeah. No, literally we're on the same page in that regard. Like um, we've been getting a lot of Italian brands, um, you know, that we're launching here in the U.S. I mentioned Canada. Um, it's, so it's not all over. You kind of get in a pocket and you kind of like, you know, you just get referred out to different brands in that same, you know, segment or whatever, but international expansion, like we said, Australia been huge. Um, you know, what are some of the markets, um, you know, even to any international listeners, um, you know, the U S is made up of every culture under the sun, you know? So sometimes even just bringing household staple brands from like, let's say Italy or, you know, Costa Rica, which are two I'm actually working with bringing them here, um, you know, the people that have enjoyed those brands growing up or their grandparents have enjoyed those brands that they just haven't had access to them um, can immediately create a win for you here just by getting the product into the U.S. and getting exposed to that demographic that lives here. Um, you know, we found a lot of success with some of those products. Yeah, and I and I, I don't know if it was due to Amazon or or clever marketing, but some of these what you would call ethnic brands do become embraced by all americans i think maybe a bad example would be greek yogurt Mm -hmm. but uh i do see like some brazilian products the little fluffy uh, things starting to be everywhere now as well and i didn't see i i didn't even know until i saw it on maybe amazon one day i go what are these and then you know, six, seven months later, I see it in Costco. I go, oh, okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah. I, I love that. Zesty Z is one that came to mind. We, we worked with out of Brooklyn, uh, New York, and they, it was popcorn and seasoning and um, condiments, uh, but Zatar from the Mediterranean, you know, it's something mm. that's new that's coming out uh, that everyone's kind of getting on the bandwagon with. And, um, as someone that grew up overseas and traveling, like I love seeing that and Amazon's a great place to kind of introduce those brands without getting a big broker on board, you know, before they, they can buy into it. You can test it on Amazon, get some results and, you know, change that conversation. So Michael, I could go back and forth with you all day. I love this stuff. And, um, you know, we're fighting a lot of the same battles, maybe a little bit different battleground in some ways, but you know, the end goal, just being trying to help brands and trying to help, you know, businesses 
find success in e-commerce at the end of the day. And I think the three things you hit on are exactly what I would say, which is international expansion. It's ways to find, you know, finding ways to grow sales outside of just Amazon. Why off Amazon advertising is so critical, um, you know, and ultimately just helping brands get that top of top of funnel awareness and exposure and, you know, dominate the platform. What we say, uh, optimize that retail shelf space, you know? Absolutely. I love it. We're going to have to have you on here again for a part two. I know I'm going to have some follow up questions uh, and, and we're getting up on that hour mark. So before we say goodbye, uh, shout out once again to our sponsor for today's episode, FullScale.io, helping you build software teams quickly and affordably. Michael, are you going to be in any conferences coming up, like maybe uh, the one in Brooklyn later this month or anything in Vegas? Um, no, I'm going to be at a couple of food shows um, in September back east. So two of the big food shows, but I did eye those conferences and I'm thinking about sending some of my colleagues that are on the East Coast to those ones. So if they end up going, I'll definitely let you know. But I had a wonderful time. This was fantastic. I appreciate the opportunity and I would love to come back on. Awesome. Well, we'll have you back if I don't see you at a conference soon. Um, when we do, there's a beer on me. We'll just have to keep <laughs> talking shop. Uh, okay. really appreciate it. And you have a good rest of your day. Thank you. You too. Cheers. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time. We do it.